ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict, uh, along with my new co-host, Andrew Hall at Andrew Hall FF. Um, We are coming live to you on Thursday, a little bit later than usual, uh, about 10 o'clock Eastern time here, Uh, but... Uh, we will continue to do the live shows every week. I'm very happy to have Andrew aboard. Uh, and uh, if you're listening to the podcast forum, we appreciate that as well. Uh, we've definitely seen an uptick in some listenership recently. So, so uh, I really enjoy that. And I hope you guys maybe tune into the live show. You can interact with us, ask us some questions. But I want to get to Andrew because uh, I'm very happy to have you aboard. Uh, unfortunately, I've had a little bit of a uh, Bad luck with the co-host here. I've run through two of them who've had their lives go to hell and and <laughs> couldn't do the podcast anymore. So I hope this doesn't happen to you, Andrew, because you, you might you might have the rocky curse here. Donnie's yeah, you, you definitely didn't didn't tell me that before I said yes. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, no, it's it's great to be here. I was uh, I love being a guest on your show, and I've been on Addicts, and obviously a big fan of what you know the whole DAP network, if you will, uh, will will do. And so I'm glad to be part of the team, right? Let's, let's do a little DAP there. But yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. I look forward to seeing what we can do with this in the next. Uh, I don't know, let's see what the season holds, and hopefully my life doesn't go to crap. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that's like crap, but they just they got to the point where they felt they, they needed to step away from podcasting, unfortunately. So um, if, if either of them ever wants to come back, we'll welcome on board. But right now it's me and Andrew and I'm, I'm thrilled with it. But uh, we got two great guests again this week. This this month has just been and will continue to be filled with great guests. I love what we got tonight. I love what we had. I love what we got coming up. But let's get to tonight. We got uh, two thirds of Dynasty Theory here, the Dynasty Theory podcast. Um, fortunately, Mitch couldn't make it tonight, but we got JB, John Bauer. John, how you doing? What's going on, guys? Uh, w- luckily for you, you have two-thirds of the, the better part of Dynasty <laughs> the better two-thirds. Theory. Yes, yes. Hopefully, Mitch isn't tuning in, and if he does, hopefully he forgives us. But yeah, Andrew, that would be nice if Rocky told you that he was the I'm the, the, the bad luck charm over I'm there. I'm the mush. <laughs> I'll take yeah, it on. Rocky, anytime we get to jump on with you, last time we talked about tight ends, I think that was like a year ago. Um, really looking forward to the topics that you have lined up for us tonight. Me too, me too. And also, uh, as as we alluded to, the other uh, guest here is Dan LaMagna, Coach Dan. Dan, how's it going tonight? 
Awesome, man. Great to be back. Uh, you know, Mitch is a slacker, but JB and I promised to, to pick up the slack for him. Rocky, great to see you again. I love that Phillies hat. Our bullpen is driving me crazy, but <laughs> I love go. the yeah. hat and, the, and love the Phillies. <laughs> and has uh, problem for, for years. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And uh, Andrew, great to meet you, man. I feel like I know you from Twitter, but uh, here in person tonight, looking forward same. to it. Yeah, same. Good, good to meet you, too. Okay, so um, I guess before we get into the meat of the show, uh, I kind of feel like it's obligatory this week that you have to mention Scott Fishbowl um, if you have a podcast. So, uh, which obviously Scott Fishbowl is great. We're all in it. I'm very happy to be, and it's great what it does for charity. Um, I don't want to get too much into it um, just because uh, I feel like everybody's doing that, and you probably don't care about our teams pick by pick. But just, I guess, real quick, we'll just uh, how, how you guys doing in the Fishbowl? How, how far along are you? How do you like your teams you don't need to run it all down but just I mean, we're going to finish up actually andrew uh, is going to make a pick uh pick on, on the air here and uh he's in the 12th round but we'll start with john i'll go clockwise around my screen i i feel good i didn't really have a great performance the last two years so maybe i'm just being too optimistic here but we're in the 14th round and i i feel like i've got some good value I, uh, I took Christian McCaffrey to, to lead the way at 101, and luckily I didn't really hit the wrong side of the quarterback run. Went for a lot of upside, took Aaron Rodgers, hopefully he plays this year. So we'll see how it goes, but I feel pretty good. And uh, I was just curious because of the whole music. What, what division are you guys in? What division are you in, John? I'm in the Killers. I had to pick the Killers because after a few beverages, if I do karaoke... Mr. Brightside is my go. That's a great song. It never gets too high, and in my voice, I'm not hitting those high notes. Right, I'm hitting, right. I'm, I'm not hitting the low notes either. <laughs> so, so Dan, what what division are you in, and how's it going so far? Uh, feeling good, man. Uh, repping out of the Aretha Franklin division there. I do a lot of charity work with the Pancreatic Cancer Network, which Aretha passed away from. So we're we're going on that Scottfish charity theme, and at 107. Uh, back-to-back years, man. I went with my boy Dak. I just I want to have that quarterback position secured. He told me he's staying healthy for the entire season this year. Uh, bolstered the running back room there with Saquon and Antonio Gibson and balanced the roster with some strong receivers. Now I got to figure out the tight end piece. But balanced roster, I'm confident. But JB knows I'm always confident. We'll see how it goes. Well, you know, <laughs> too confident. Too, too confident. Two years ago, I was cruising, crushing it. Last year, I got crushed by injury. So we'll see. Maybe this year. What's the but, saying? That, uh, pride comes before the fall. <laughs> Just be careful, Dan. Your run sounds like me, Dan. Two years ago, I made the the finals. I actually finished twelfth. And uh, last year, it totally went to hell. I was like, uh, I think four and eight or something like that. I also had a lot of injury issues. Glass, glass half full this year, Rock. Glass yeah, half full. This, this is the year it turns around. I'm, I'm in Billy Joel. I've, I've joked uh, I'm a middle-aged white guy, so I have to like Billy Joel. And I did pick that division. Actually, my original pick was Bare Naked Ladies, but they didn't make it. So mm-hmm. um, who I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, but yeah, I was at the 10, I'm sorry, the 111. I, I, I like the late pick with the third round reversal. And I, I feel it's I'm pretty happy with my draft. Uh, I went three running backs early. I got Saquon in there and uh, Henry. Uh, Picked Goddard in the middle as a tight end. Got some nice receivers. So I, I got a pretty balanced squad myself. We'll see how it goes. We're already in the 17th round. We're kind of flying through here. Um, but I believe, Andrew, you are in the 12th round. In what division is it again? 
Yeah, I'm in the Incubus division, which I picked. Uh, my first pick was Live, which didn't make it either. But uh, I've seen both Incubus and Live a bunch of times, and I, I love a bunch of bands. And I actually talked about it on the uh, Superflex City with with Swags, and went kind of into some of the music. If anybody wants to hear more about that, but I just I love music in general, so I thought this was a great reason to to you know have a theme, I guess, and have everybody pick their bands. But yeah, so I'm in the Incubus division. I'm at the 107 with Dan. Uh, our 107 chat's been lit. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun. Tons of good strategy talk. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Um, last year, I was in the 102 chat, and a bunch of the 102 guys ended up making their own podcast because we actually, from the 102 chat, a bunch of us did a best ball league. And then from that best ball league, five of them do fantasy besties on Monday nights now, which is from that 102. So there's, there's a whole bunch. I think, Bauer, are you in that one, if I recall? I'm not, but uh, Linda is. That's who it was. Okay. There's, a, remember- there's another JB on there stealing my initials. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's like why it. I couldn't remember if it was. It, it gets confusing because there's so many people. But I yes, it, it's it's a. I I got to get on that podcast at some point because that 102 chat is still going too from last year, which is just terrific. So I just love getting together with everybody. And so I I picked Incubus. I'm a big fan of their music and everything. I had 107, and I'm like, well, who am I going to take? Man, I don't know. I just want to get a balanced start. That was my only strategy. It's like I'm just gonna. I'm in the middle. I can kind of let the draft come to me. So I took Lamar Jackson at 107 which I'm very happy with. I got Alvin Kamara to fall back to me at the 206, which again, very happy with that. I'm like Alvin Kamara in the second. I did not see that coming. I got, I took the first receiver Tyreek Hill at 307 or 306 because of the reversal. I was like, I'm fine with that. And then I got Mark Andrews at 407. I'm like, I'm pretty happy with that start. Ever since then, it's just, I feel like every pick has been like stubbing my toe, right? So it just, it's just how it goes in this thing. But last year I did pretty well. I got the buy even after drafting McCaffrey and, and having the injury. So I'm feeling pretty lucky. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I am on the clock with my 1207. I pretty much got it figured out. I would like, maybe you guys talk me out of it if it's a bad pick. Give, I'm not going to go through all the options. But as my wide receiver four to take Jalen Waddle, what do you guys think about Jalen Waddle this year? It looks like Dan likes that one. Dan's gonna love that one. I'm gonna hop over it, man, because we've been talking about this a lot, <laughs> a lot on Dynasty Theory. JB's probably to nauseum sick of me talking about the Miami Dolphins. I took Tua in, uh, I think it was the f- sixth round of uh, the Fishbowl. I had to have him. I wasn't letting anyone snipe him. I just love the direction of that offense. I love Jalen Waddle. I think he could do anything, play inside, play outside, and uh, they've got chemistry going back to Bama. So Andrew, I love that man. Uh, all about Waddle. Any thoughts on Waddle, JB? I mean, really, I have no issue with it. I think there is upside there. There's a lot of question marks with that receiving core. Can Parker stay healthy? Will Fuller after the one-game suspension? What are we going to see from him? How are they going to utilize, utilize Gasicki this year? So, yeah, it, it's fine. I, 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 who, <laughs> really John sounds Andrew. thrilled, Andrew. <laughs> just, just to appease me, who were like two of the other top receivers there? I was wondering that as well. Okay, so there, there. I'll be honest. This is one of the toughest drafts I've been in. Like after the first four rounds, where I felt like I did really well, everybody, I've been sniped all over the place. Like this, this group of Incubus fans is is terrific, and we we all we all have been chatting about it. But so, like, if you just go, by, just sorting my MFL ADP for now, I got Jalen Waddle, Russell Gage, Cole Beasley, Henry Ruggs. And it just gets worse. No, so, I'll, I'll, I'm fine with Waddle. Over I'm, I'm thinking it's the yeah. easy pick for me. And it, there aren't a lot. I got a, a four running backs and some of those are older guys like Melvin Gordon, and David Johnson. Like, I just need some upside, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going the whole second half of this draft. I'm going to be reaching for guys that I think have high ceilings. And I, I kind of agree with Dan. I think that offense is primed to explode this year. I got Gaskin as my RB2. I think he's going to be a solid pick. I like that so too. I don't want to invest too much in Miami, but I do think Waddle's a terrific upside player. I think it's just, it makes no sense to go with like, 
a Gronkowski or somebody like there's a bunch of tight ends that might still be. I just, I'm not too worried. I got Andrews. Like I'm not going to start them most weeks. So yeah, I think it's Waddle for me. And I'm, I'm glad to hear Dan was so high pitched on it. He's like, yes. And, and as the seven to seven relationship, it just yeah, <laughs> makes sense. So Waddle's And I'm, I'm with these two guys. I, you got to shoot for the ceiling, Scott Fishbowl. Anyway, I, I tend not to worry as much about floors, you know, just if you're go, go for the, you know, go for first or, or who cares. So the, yeah, the first exactly year I it. did it, I was all, Oh, well, there's so much risk with this player. And right. I went safety and finished. Yeah. I didn't make the playoffs and finished like right under 500, I think. So, yeah. yeah especially now with 1,900 people. Well, yeah. You want to even to make the playoffs, you, you want that upside. And and then once you get in there, it's, it's those last couple rounds, you got to beat like 20, 30 people at a time. Uh, yeah. So, and by then, the I won't be a rookie anymore. Right. That's always exactly. what I say. Too. Like by, by week 14, the rookies aren't really rookies. So, I'm not too worried about it. Okay, so now we will get into the meat of the show, which I was talking about before, which, uh, you know, we were having the, I put this in the, the tweet I put out, uh, we're having the dynasty theory, guys, so let's talk some dynasty theory, or strategy, whatever you want to call it, let's uh, not just get so player specific, let's talk some some general strategy theory type topics, so I did put it out on Twitter, um, I did get a couple questions, both from the same guy. So we'll do them first. They're a little more specific than some of the topics I threw on the sheet, I think. But uh, it's at Andrew underscore Shuba. I hope I said your name right, Andrew. Shuba, Shuba. Um, he's actually in the uh, Billy Joel division as well. So thank you, Andrew, for, for not leaving my tweet unanswered. Um, <laughs> and his first the topic that he brought up was targeting sleeper players in trades without arousing suspicion. Oh, so. I want to jump on this one. As soon as I saw this, I'm like, I, I got, I got a fun story. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Andrew. I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm an, an analyst or, or an expert or one of those people that, you know, is on Twitter and does this not for a living, but does this for a hobby and actually takes it serious. And so in my home league, I'm, I was targeting some players and I was talking to a buddy of mine and I, I'm, I've got DeAndre Swift. He's got Zeke. I'm like, well, maybe I can get Zeke for, you know, Zeke plus for Swift, right? Like maybe I can make that move. And he's like, wait, why do you want Zeke? And why don't you want Swift? What do you know that I don't know? And all this, I'm just like, oh, so like, it seems like now, and maybe you guys, in the theory, you guys have, have done this for a year or two yourself, right? A little while you've been in this game, you kind of get it too, where it's like people start suspecting, why do you want this player? So I would love to have an answer to this. Also, my answer to this is do it as that like secondary throw in, right? Where you're targeting someone else and then have it like, well, you know, let's just to make it even, why don't you throw in so-and-so, but it can't be like a big value player. Otherwise it looks ridiculous. So, but yeah, I, again, I, just, I, I've had the same problem myself for anybody I'm targeting. People go, what do you know? I'm not trading him. I'm not, nope, I don't, nope. I must, he must be good. I'm not trading him. I hate <laughs> it. And that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. You, if it's a high value piece, there's no way around it, but let's just say, for example, Russell Gage, you know, let's say that's your target, not just going out and saying, Hey, Andrew, you know, I'm interested in Russell Gage, blah, blah, blah. And then instantly your, your spidey sense you are tingling and you're like, well, why, why do you want him? So if you go approach the manager and you have another piece in mind, and then you bring in Russell Gage as the secondary piece, I think that's the way to do it. Um, you know, for the most part, I think a lot of us are in leagues with people on Twitter and people that are really, you know, they spend a lot of time playing dynasty and focusing on things throughout the off season. So there's really no concern with it in that regard, but yeah, home league. If one of your buddies, eh, I don't know, Andrew, this is kind of sketchy. I, something's going on here. I can certainly see it in that situation, but yeah, bring it in as a secondary piece. 
this this was a good question. I think a loaded one too. And, and I guess my only advice would just be to be honest if you get called out. Um, John knows. I mean, we're in a gazillion leagues. I'm very active with the Dan, you're glitching. I know. No glitches. Tell me I'm good. You're back ish. Am I back ish? Yes, you are back now. I don't know what happened there, man. Every once in a blue moon. But um, I was saying, though, we're in a ton of leagues. John's in 8 million leagues. But John knows I'm a super active trader. And there are times I've been called out, and sometimes for no reason at all. It's like, well, you, you have a podcast, so you know something. I, I know nothing. But sometimes we do know <laughs> something. You know, and it, Andrew Hall might have had a real insightful tweet that says, hey, this guy's going to be hot this year. I was like, you know what? He's got a good point. So then what I normally do, if I really want a player because I do have some kind of insight, I'll send a ton of trades out in all my leagues. And again, sometimes someone will call you out. What do you know? And, and I just be honest, you know, Hey, I, I did read something or I heard something could be right. Could be wrong. Cause even when you do hear something, it's not always right, but that's a good, that was a good question and a fun one. So I want to tag on that. Uh, hang on just for just a second. Well, just real quick, because I think okay. he hit on something perfect there. Like, I, you know what I've actually done in that same home league is I'll trade for other players. And so it ends up getting lost in the fog. Like, I'll, I'll make three trades. You know what I mean? Like, it'll just be like a bunch of trades and nobody knows who I'm really targeting. So maybe that's an option. <laughs> that I don't that know, is interesting. Sure. The fog yeah. of war kind of a thing. That's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, I think you guys have mostly covered it. And uh, <laughs> I, I was actually going to mention this at the top. I actually got a root canal today and then stupidly decided to do two podcasts back to back with the sore mouth. So I'm fine letting you guys do most of the talking tonight. But um, <laughs> uh, I did want to, the only thing, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Andrew, because the only thing I was doing no. was making a joke is uh, JB. I know on your guys' last episode, you talked about taking out that uh, Cleveland dysfunction uh, sounder for, for, for Dan. I think you got to replace it with, I know nothing. <laughs> that's a good one what he it, just said that you cut cut that and then put that there no i i would love it if you could clip that for me that'd be great <laughs> just dan angle. starting the show i know nothing <laughs> <laughs> you can have fun with that yeah um but okay we'll move on to andrew um not our andrew andrew the uh from twitter uh his next question is when do you expect to be out of fab or do you keep a little for playoff injuries uh, i will chime in on this one since i didn't really say much in the last one and i'm just gonna say i'm with and i've heard jb talk about this i'm with john in that i that is probably my biggest weakness in general is that i don't like i i'm not i don't think i'm in as many leagues as john not by a lot but uh, I, I am in 30 plus leagues and trying to deal with waivers and 30 plus leagues. is just so tedious. So uh, I, I tend to ignore them most of the time. If there's a, a guy out there that is like in the preseason, maybe that, that a lot of people are talking about, and I know he's probably going to be available. Then maybe I put more time into it, but I probably skip at least half my leagues every week, if not more in terms of waivers. So I tend to end up the guy with like the most fab later on. So if somebody did happen to get injured and like, uh, you know, Mike Boone was on the waiver wire like a couple of years ago, then then maybe I can get that guy. But I, I tend to leave a lot into the season just because it's too much trouble to to, to do it earlier. <laughs> and I, only if there's a big name, like quote unquote big name, which is like a third string running back in most dynasty leagues. But that that's when I tend to spend mine. So I leave a lot into the season. But what about you guys? This is when a I, fun one. Oh, did, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, Jimmy, sorry. I'm gonna hop on this one first, man. This is, this is probably my favorite question in all of the of the show notes there, and, and I like that <laughs> you, you trade for Fab, don't you? 
Oh, I do. Like I'm, I'm building a reputation. I don't know if it's good or bad, but like I literally had one of our league mates, John knows this, gift me a dollar fab for my birthday last week because of how much I like fab. He literally <laughs> sent me awesome. a trade and gave me a dollar for nothing. And there's people in the chat saying, "What? what's this? You know, and so we, we had a little fun with it. But you mentioned being aligned with, with, with JB there and we, we were busting John, Mitch and I the, the other night of, you know, he's a month. He wanted to talk about fab. He was so excited. He went through all his 8 million rosters, cleaned them up, was picking up guys. And Mitch and I is like, John, we did this last month, like because we're, we're kind of on the free agents and the fab, and that's an area I love. I do try to save some fab. I always try to get that something to go home and tell mom about in my trades. Where you know, if I was offering Andrew a trade, I'd be like you know, trying to get nickel and dime them for ten bucks, twenty bucks here, but it gives me that little bit extra later on. And it's just every roster is different, and it depends what guys you're chasing. But for some reason, I just have fun and take pride in that fab. In terms of leaving fab on the table spending it too early if it is a deeper league and if it's a 14 16 team super flex league and there's not much out there if rocky like you mentioned if there's Great any point. type of splash in preseason early in the season i'm gonna blow the whole budget yeah. i'm just gonna go after the guy if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but it's a deeper league there's not much out there anyway so i'm gonna go for it i would rather spend too much and get my guy then find out that I spent, you know, five bucks too too little, and I missed on that opportunity. But one thing I will say, and Mitch brought this up on our last show uh, this past Tuesday, that as the season progresses, every year it seems like there's that running back in week 13, 14, 15, there was an injury. And Rocky, you kind of mentioned it with Mike Boone, but there might be somebody floating out there on the waiver wire in a 12-team league. 10 team league, whatever the case may be, as long as it's not one of the deeper ones. And that's when, if you have that reserve, you have that money available, you could potentially get a, a flex play um, or a guy that could potentially be seen as a league winner. If he hits late, I mean, Damian Williams, a few years ago, I picked him up off of waivers in several leagues and he went on that tremendous run to end the season. And those are teams that I had a good run. So I, Deeper leagues, I'm going all in, going all in early. Uh, try to balance it out if I do remember to pay attention to the waivers. That's a big if, though. Well, I'll, I'll jump in here and just say that I think some of this, too, depends on the league, right? I mean, we always say the context matters. And I think if you're in a 12-team in a home league with 15 roster spots, you're going to see a lot more action on the waivers than yep. a dynasty league with a bunch of people from Twitter who pay attention to everything with 32 roster spots, right? So it's kind of, it's all, it, it kind of, it's all relative. Um, I would say though, in general, I try to hold on to my fab at least until week four or five, just because I feel like that's when you start to see some of the injuries add up a little bit. You start to see some of those players that have nagging injuries that are out for a couple of weeks that then get on that eight week IR. Now we have this four week IR, which changes things. So I do like to save it a little bit, but after week six or seven, even it's almost like, what's the point at that point if you're if you're winning you don't need it and if you're not winning it's too late so it's almost like you, you kind of have i like using it in the early part of the season as the general rule if i still have let's say it's a hundred dollars a fab if i have twenty dollars left by week six that's about normal for me you know like i like to save a couple bucks just in case something slides through but that's also in most of those leagues that i'm in that i'm doing that the other guys are all kind of in the same page 
So, it, you know, we're all sort of doing the same thing. If you see somebody blowing a ton of fab in week one and they outbid you for a guy that, that I love that when somebody bids like all of their fab on Demarcus Robinson, you know, and you're like, oh man, that was, that was terrific, man. You did a great job on that. Right. So we see it every year in home leagues and I, I don't mind doing that in certain cases, but I'd rather be the guy that's like week four sneaking in with 20 bucks from equal Hardman, you know, something like that, where it's like, you know, give me a little bit of, a little bit of boost, not all of it and kind of add to your bench. So yeah, it kind of varies. And, and I speaking, wanna, oh, oh, I was ahead, just going to say, I do want to say <clears throat> to John's point, I I do like the idea though, um, especially in deeply, even 12 team leagues with 30 man rosters or something like that, or 14 team leagues, 16 team leagues is the idea of going all in or mostly in on one guy, like, especially mm-hmm. if you're like me and John and don't necessarily put in ro- uh, roster uh, fab claims every week. So um, I just like that idea, especially because in those kind of leagues, there might only be two guys all year that are worth a damn anyway. So That's exactly right. Yeah. So if you want to, if you have a hundred, I'm fine going like eighty. Whether whether it's in the beginning and because of the preseason or an injury in week six, whenever you are paying attention enough to do it, like me and John, um, I, I, I highly recommend doing it that way in those deeper leagues. Yeah, this question was interesting for me because, like Dan said, him and Mitch were giving me a hard time. I just cleared Vance McDonald and Danny, Dan, Danny, Danny Amendola off my rosters, <laughs> and a lot of I'm like, holy crap, what are these guys still doing here? But I, I love getting questions and trade questions and draft questions and all that. The only questions I hate getting: Hey, JB, so and so is on the waiver wire. How much should I bid? I don't know. Yep. Guess. Like, yeah. like, like you, you don't so many it's variables. So, it's, it's so impossible. arbitrary. You don't know what Rocky's going to bid. Andrew's going to bid. Dan's going right. to, like, you have no idea. So just go with your gut and, you know, have fun with it. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's more important to like the deeper your studying is to know the player will help you determine how much you should bid. You know, I think to Andrew's point of, you know, that recycled player, maybe a Demarcus Robinson that you're not going to really be keeping them long-term. There's really no long-term future there in your dynasty roster. So why overspend uh, knowing the player and what the potential is could help determine that. He, he, no Wayne Gallman. I'm telling you right now, Wayne Gallman is doing something this year. I'm telling you <laughs> for the Niners. Yeah. Very yeah I'm possible. telling you. I'm telling right, you. Every, everyone else is on uh most certain in sermon. John's all about the Gallman. I'm, tell, I'm telling you <laughs> for a dollar, John, for a dollar. Or 39, either one. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to move on. Uh, that, those are the only two uh, questions we got from Twitter. I, I came up with some, uh, some general topics for us to talk about as well. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk to you about here is uh, I kind of framed them in, the, in sort of like a, a narrative, a statement um, that a lot of people will, will go by. And one of the first ones I put on here was, you should always be looking to sell players at peak value regardless of your contention stat, whether you're rebuilding, whether you're in contention. This is one I hear a lot, especially in, in the podcasting world. Uh, and, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree with it, but I want to get your guys' takes on it. So, uh, Andrew, I'll go to you first, and then we'll get to get to the guests. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article for Fantasy Pros. I want to say it was actually maybe back in May. And the idea was you know, players to sell for contending teams, and Jonathan Taylor was on that list. <clears throat> got a lot of reactions from people on Twitter. They're like, why on earth as a dynasty contender, would you be selling Jonathan Taylor? And I was like, well, if you read the actual article, the reason I said it was his value may not be higher than it is right now. You know, this is back in May after the draft, everybody's all hyped up on Jonathan Taylor. They just got Carson Wentz. I'm like, if you can get a haul for someone like that, go get it. 
I entirely agree with the statement. I think that if you can sell for the right price at the peak value, it doesn't matter if you're contending or rebuilding. If you're selling it for the right value, it does, you're not losing any value. So what's the difference? You know, if you can sell for the right price, anybody should be available. So I fully agree with that. And I think sometimes, too, you get to see um, every league is unique, kind of what John was saying before, too, where, you know, every there's, there's so many variables. It's almost impossible to give any generic advice anymore. Right. And just say sell everyone. That's that's generic advice. Well, oh, so I should sell Jonathan Taylor for Michael Gallup. No, that's not what I mean. Like if you should sell at peak value, get a big haul back, then it's worth doing. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's the way to go. And I think that's how you just add value to your roster over time. I think, too, if you're contending, you can you know look at your roster, see where you have weak spots, sell a, a peak value guy for a slightly downgrade at that position and upgrade massively in another. Your roster is going to be significantly better in the end. You're much better contender now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think as long as you can get the right value, everybody's available. I, I don't disagree that everybody should be available. I guess my issue sometimes with it is like you talk about, you know, if you had sold uh, – well, you're talking about even you're even talking about selling Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you could be missing out on great years of Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, if you look at the Twitterverse, a guy you could be selling Jonathan Taylor for is Cam Akers Plus, who I, I am not high on. Some people are. And if I'm right, I mean, if you don't get it right, then you really just screwed yourself. That That's my issue. Like, I'm, And I was even more thinking. Of, yep. Yeah, I'm more thinking about this with older players, too. Even Not necessarily old, but like if you sold Julio Jones at like 27, 28 because he couldn't get any higher. And maybe he didn't get higher in value, but you missed out on like two 1,500-yard seasons or something like that. And now maybe it looks good three years later, but you you also missed out on two years of production. So Yeah, but it depends so, on what you got back, right? I guess that's, that's the whole thing, right? If, if you don't think Akers is the right guy, then don't don't trade for acres. That's obviously what this oh, is I about. know, but I'm saying I think in general, people, when they do something like that are often, especially when you're talking about it, where I'm talking, the tier I'm talking about, when you're talking about like guys at the peak peak that are not Jonathan Taylor, like for Jonathan Taylor, you can get almost any other running back, but, and I guess you could with uh, a guy like say Devonte Adams last year or, or Julio Jones a couple years ago, but then you are most likely going down to a younger guy and he's most likely not, the proven producer that Julio Jones is or Devontae sure. Adams is, and you're assuming he's going to, I mean, even last year it would have been tough to get much on top of CD lamb. And we're assuming CD lamb for Devontae I'm talking about, and we're assuming CD lamb is going to be great, but we don't know. And, and, and so, you know, that, that's the thing. Um, you have to get that, 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 that right. Unless, you know, you're, I think your point's a good one, Rock, and that your player evaluation is going to be important. You know, I, I agree with Andrew's take, and, and I'll, I'll take one from Mitch. You know, a quote he said years ago that I've never let go of when he referred to his dynasty rosters. He goes, all my guys better have their suitcases yep. and not unpack them. Be ready to go at any time. And to Andrew's point, you know, hey, if he's at peak value, I do want to trade him, but I do need to be careful. Like, don't be hasty. You know, so if Jonathan Taylor is that example, okay, what young running back do I know that could have a good shelf life for place Jonathan Taylor, and I'm still going to be solid there and then get that plus that Andrew's talking about. So you're right, Rock. I mean, you got to have a good player evaluation to support uh, that statement, but I'm with you, Andrew. Let's the, the stock's high. Let's sell. Well, it's all market speculation inevitably, right? I mean, that's what this is. You're trying to potentially selling at peak means you're thinking it's only going down. So you're selling a descending asset and it doesn't matter how old they are. You think they're descending. Like, to be honest, you could argue that Christian McCaffrey is at peak value. Right. He's, he's at RB1. Oh, yeah. Can you get higher than that? I don't know. I doubt it. 
right? Can you be RB 0.9? Like how, how <laughs> high can you get here? So I think at that point, if you're selling someone and you believe at their peak, then you're going to get a terrific because their peak, it's the best value you're going to get. And if that's descending and the other guy's ascending, you're going to make value. It's just, it's, it's numbers. It's tough because your evaluation has to be right. And that's like, you hit the nail on the head there, Rocky. If you think acres is the next Taylor and you think you can get acres plus Higgins for Taylor, I'd do that trade. If I think acres is going to be the next Taylor, you know what I mean? Like there's some of the, it depends on that. Plus that's always what it is. I'm not doing acres and Heinz for Taylor. You know what I mean? Like that plus is going to uh, make and that. And I value get that too. too. Yeah. I, and again, like I said, with, especially with guys, you know, are going to produce, like I, I think we know Jonathan Taylor is going to produce, but I'm not even talking maybe more beyond him. Like his values up there, but in terms of proven production, um, like I said, it's certainly possible that Akers and Higgins would be workout, but it's also possible Higgins never finishes higher than wide receiver 15 the rest of his career, and sure. Akers is an RB2 the rest of his career, and you just exactly. gave up two RB5 seasons from Jonathan Taylor. I just sure. I feel like we undervalue production sometimes too much as a dynasty community. Uh, I, want, I want JB to chime on this one too, though, before we move on to the next one. I'll try to be quick because, like Dan said, He's looking to spend some time with the family tonight. So I could <laughs> I could talk about these questions seriously until tomorrow morning, probably. But I, you know, during the in our intro, we talked about intro and Dan saying there's too much dysfunction in Cleveland. In our dynasty intro, dynasty theory intro, I say I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. So essentially, it is this topic, this prompt. And it's easiest. So if if I'm looking to talk to league mates about players I'm looking to move. Of course, it's going to be players that I believe have a higher perceived value than the value I put on that player. I'm not right now going out and shopping uh, Ronald Jones, typically, because typically the market is not there on him. But one thing that I really like, you know, I, I like how Andrew framed it, the the overall you know, topic and conversation with Jonathan Taylor downgrading and getting a significant piece added. I have trouble doing it with running back because I give me that high end production at running back, but then I like the idea for quarterback and wide receiver and something I've done recently, Justin Herbert, I think his value is tremendously high right now. Do I think he maintains it for at least two, three years? Sure. I, I love Justin Herbert, but can I pivot off of him and get Russell Wilson plus can I do, you know, Russell Wilson plus Cooper cup for, Justin Herbert and a lesser wide receiver. That's something I've been able to do. So I'm bolstering that position elsewhere while still staying in that topish tier yeah. of quarterback. Something I love doing with the wide receivers, moving a piece like CD Lamb, moving a piece like Justin Jefferson, and downgrading to a productive receiver. Maybe it's a Cooper Cup plus a first and a second or something like that. So you're not really losing out on much production now, and you're getting those pieces down the road and extra capital and, and possibly trade leverage. So overall, I would say I'm looking to move every player, but you're you're not moving them just to move them. Right. I, oh, Andrew said I got to move Jonathan Taylor. Let me get, you know, Michael Gallup and a bag of peanuts, you know, depending <laughs> on how big the bag of peanuts yeah. is, maybe, maybe. But overall, like 
you still got to shop around. And if it's not there, it's not there. Don't force it. So overall, I love the general idea. You know, look to move your assets, if at all possible, for the right price. Well, and just to kind of hit one more thing, and you kind of hit on it there, is it, it we do tier-based drafting, right? I think a lot of us follow that kind of ideology of when you go to a draft, you kind of, let's, do I like this draft? Do I like, I like three players here, so I'm going to trade back and add another pick. Isn't this that same thing with player names attached? Right. Isn't this that same basic principle? Like, yes, it peak value and all this, but like you're, you're really just doing the same basic idea. You're trading back to get downgrade a little bit and add a little value somewhere else. That's going to be an ascending upside guy. That's basically all it is. Like a few years ago, and I'll be, I, I keep saying I'll be brief, but really quick, a few years <laughs> ago, he's like, never brief. Just, just listen, Dan, listen, you know, if you had Lamar Jackson and he's at his peak value and you moved him for Josh Allen plus, and now we're sitting here. And then you could move Josh Allen for Lamar Jackson. Plus it might not get done because that manager might think, wow, this guy's a piece of crap for coming back <laughs> to me. Um, but it have changed hands four times by then. Right, too, right, so you right. Yeah. But that, that, you know, staying on top of the market and really looking at the values that could be a huge boost to your dynasty portfolio in each individual team. And I made trades like that before, right? I trade somebody to someone, they trade them to someone else, and then I trade them back for a plus. So I end up with like a free Michael Gallup. You know what I mean? Just like it just it happens over the course of a couple of months in an off season. I love that. Uh, that yeah, that happens all the time in trade addicts lease as well. People trading <laughs> sure. back and forth. Um, I just want uh, one thing I do want to say is that yeah, I'm definitely all for everybody's available. I have no problem with that. And I think part of the reason maybe I'm disagreeing with you guys, and especially Andrew specifically, is I, I'm kind of I think I was looking at it at JB kind of made this point of when people say this that you're sort of like i should be shopping you know Devonte adams or lamar jackson when they were at peak value which i'm not necessarily doing i'm looking especially in some of the examples we've had here like lamar jackson which of course as andrew knows and, and maybe you guys do if you've ever listened to me I, I rarely have a lamar jackson type but uh um but if you have those guys um yeah so i just think that I'm not necessarily looking to sell them, which is, I think what that statement is somewhat implying that this guy's at his peak. Now you need to try and move him. You understand what I'm saying? I, I would say I do in the, the perspective of there are, you know, I have roster builds where like John mentioned, Justin Herbert, I don't want to trade Herbert. I'm going to try to trade other guys on my roster first before I trade Herbert. But if there's a guy that's at peak value that, you know, maybe it's Stefan Diggs. I love him. Yeah, I think he's going to have another good year, but maybe I can get a little more than he's worth, you know, because we know that age window is going to hit at some point and I'm not going to be able to what I get now, but versus maybe a younger guy like Herbert or Jonathan Taylor, where you have a lot of good years, um, you know, running backs a little more volatile, but you know, he's going to play for another contract yet. So I, I think you're going to get a lot of good years out of Jonathan Taylor. It seems like the well, other way, the diagonal pairs are agreeing more. <laughs> here um because like again when i when i go into a league chat and i say player a b and c are available it's typically those high-end pieces one i like to minimize my risk if at all possible and in a game where it's nothing but risk it's funny to think about minimizing risk but can i diversify my portfolio get additional assets it's why i love to trade back in startup drafts can i get two three four you know shots instead of that one player so for Justin Herbert, again, I'm going to say, can I get Russ plus minimize my risk, get an additional piece and lose out on very little production, if at all. So I, I always knew I liked Andrew better than you, Rocky. <laughs> Good to hear it, JB. I, I, there is one other thing that I think Rocky was hitting on that. I do want to cover back here, though, is there is a difference between production value and trade value. 
Yep. Right. And we hear this a lot and they're, they're worded differently. Everybody's got their own mentality in this, but production value is key, right? How do you win titles? It's not with pretty rosters. It's with production. You got to put up points. You can have 18 firsts over the next six years. That's great, but you're not winning titles with that. Those are, those are, that's, that's a CD in the bank. You know what I mean? That's collecting money. It's, it's not depreciating at all, but at some point you got to cash that out and turn it into a pick. And I think we've all been in leagues with people where they trade their first for a future first and a future second. And you're like, Great, you added value, but what? How is that helping your team? You know what I mean? Like there, there is a difference in that. So I don't want to get caught up in the fact that value and trade value is key. It's not. And you're right, Rocky. There is a, a little bit of a production value that you have to take a hit. You know, if I'm trading this guy and getting good trade value, what is the production value delta? Like, what am I losing in production? Am I losing two points a week or ten points a week? Or am I making that ten points a week up? So like that conversation does need to be had when you're making and setting up that kind of trade. So I'm not just saying trade for value and just be done with it and be blind to the whole season. That The whole reason we play this is to watch the games and to score points and to win titles. So you're exactly right. You can't lose too much production just because you gained on trade. Doesn't mean you win. You got to win production too. You're right. And, and I'm with, and I, I'm not, uh, what I'm saying is not totally again. I mean, I'm for trading. I mean, John's speaking my language talking about trading down a quarterback. Um, <laughs> right. so, uh, I do that all the time. Uh, I'm not against trading down, you know, within a tier, maybe right down to the next tier. Um, I just, I, again, like I said, to me, that statement is always kind of implied uh, this idea that I need to get rid of proven producers basically because they're at peak value and try and get ascending assets. But I don't think it's necessarily, and I'm a guy who generally does uh, always, not always, but I tend to weigh more heavily the production side than the trade value side. I'm always trying to win that next year. So, well, so, so that, that probably into factors my, into it. That kind of goes into the question that I put on the sheet too, where it's like, you know, there are a lot of veterans that don't have a lot of trade value, but have a ton of production value. Yep. Right. And there's a bunch of those guys that you can get as throw ins like T.Y. Hilton was a throw in on a trade recently because the guy was like, I don't think he's it's a dynasty. league. He's middle of the pack. You know, he's looking to get younger. And I was like, well, throw in T.Y. Hilton. We'll call it a day. But T.Y. Hilton is probably going to be my wide receiver seven. But to me, as soon as he starts blowing up and starts, you know, actually producing and showing his production value, that's when you flip him for a future second from some team that's desperate to get because they had a receiver injury. I mean, it happens every year. We see players go down in week two, three, four, and you got other managers trying to scramble and trying to stay in the hunt and all this. And that's when you get your veterans. That's when you sell them. Right now is when you buy them. Right Right now is when you're in the offseason, when there's all this hype around the rookies and all these rookies are getting all the attention and values going crazy. You're, I mean, you can get T.Y. Hilton for nothing right now. You know, players like that that are veterans that are maybe not at their peak value as a historical peak, but they're only going down from here. Right. And, and lower level guys, not even necessarily your, your blue chip assets. Right. But like some of your depth pieces, you can do, you know, little trades like that can really add a lot of value, too, because you're you're adding production value. But you can then trade away for or trade away if you need to, if you're out of it. And that's when you start trading away T.Y. Hilton for future thirds or something, you know. But it, it's all dependent on your team and what your what your build is and how you're I don't know how you're looking as a team. Right. It always changes every year. We all th we're all contending now. Every team is contending now. As much as you say you're not, you can look at it. I've seen it happen. You look at a team that's not contending and they're 4-0. And you're like, oh, look at that. They're contending. I can like, show you a few teams I have, Andrew. They're not contending. What <laughs> I'm saying is that we've seen bad teams go 4-0, right? And, that's, and then all right. of a sudden you're contending, right? So like it's the pure luck of the game, right? Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. Nobody sees that. Barkley goes out. Like the, the league landscape changes so drastically. We see it every year. Remember when Kareem Hunt got hurt? Right. Or no, it was uh, it wasn't Kareem Hunt. It was uh, Jamal Charles got hurt and Kareem Hunt elevated and took his spot and became the guy. Right. And we, we see this every single year where some crazy thing happens. So, I mean, I just I, I don't like when people say things like, well, I'm out of it this year. I'm, I'm rebuilding. It's like, 
come on, man, it's July. Nobody's rebuilding all the way. You may be retooling. Like, let's add a little value, but you know, no one's out of it, out of it. We gotta have hope. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay. And this uh this trading down thing kind of sort of ties into the next one I'm gonna I'm gonna go into because uh it was one of the examples I had when I when I put this on here. I wanted to give you guys um and the idea was that um because I put in super flex because I was specifically thinking about quarterbacks when I wrote this on here, um, is that it's worth paying up simply for job security and or youth, not not production. Uh here's two examples of what I'm talking about. One was uh uh, the, as I was talking about the trading down thing, this is uh, more on the lower value end, but I recently traded Kirk Cousins for Ryan Fitzpatrick in a first. As long as Ryan Fitzpatrick starts, I don't think I'm losing a damn thing in production. And uh, and that guy basically paid up because he thinks Kirk Cousins has a job all year and possibly next year. Beyond that, we're, I think he probably will still have a job, but it's a little more uncertain. Um, so that's one I, I kind of example of it. The other thing I was thinking of specifically is um, he's actually a little lower now, I think, but I know uh, DLF ADP, most of the offseason, I guess prior to the rookies is probably when he was highest, but uh, Baker Mayfield, for instance, has been like QB 13. I think he's fallen to QB 17 in June, but up until then, even I think, I think in May, he was like 14 or 15, and, and he's done nothing to really justify that in his three years, and he's had like six good games in his rookie year that's basically people are living off of. Um, and he's basically that high, uh, and I think has even the trade value to back that up, uh, is because he's young and he has job security. Everyone assumes that after they went to the playoffs last year, he's going to be the quarterback. There's already talk of an extension, that kind of thing. So so that's basically what I was thinking. It's, do, you, do you think it's worth it to pay for guys? And I almost even think you can tie some of the rookies into this. Obviously, we think they're going to produce, but a lot of their value is also tied up in perception and job. Job, you know, they're going to be the starter or at least on that team for the next two to three years, most likely four, because that's how long the contract runs. Uh, like to, for me, to me, you know, Trey Lance being in the first, the, the top 12 quarterbacks is crazy to me uh but i know it's not to other people so i've rambled on long enough with my sore root canal mouth so um jb you want to you want to take it from me here so i'm there certainly is again i was talking about trading down from the highest of tiers and like like i keep saying justin herbert and russell wilson but once it gets to a point i don't know that i'm far off in terms of taking cousins in that Fitzpatrick first trade that you mentioned. I don't think either side is a loser necessarily, but give me that assumed two-year starter at least, you know, because Dynasty, everybody wants to look 10 years out. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think the whole uh, COVID situation, that should really show us the level of uncertainty. But for me, quarterback... I'm looking more for security and stability rather than youth. So uh, guys at the top of my roster ship, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford. Uh, I have a lot of Josh Allen from when he was a little bit lower valued, but that's kind of the, the tier that I fall into with quarterbacks that I'm acquiring. So uh, I like this question a lot. And for me, it's certainly more important for the security rather than the youth. So, and it's funny because 
again, I, I'm probably going to be the opposite of everyone else here, just like the last question, because I, I that's that's what allows me to play the way I do at quarterback, where I don't generally draft the top guys. Is I, I, I mean, I like having a guy that I know. Like I, Kirk Cousins has been my guy all this offseason, in part because of that, because he produces – he doesn't produce at a Herbert level necessarily, or what we assume Herbert's going to do going forward, what he did last year. Um, or he doesn't produce at a Rodgers level, but he's generally a low-end QB1, um, and you do have him for at least a couple more years. And, and I totally agree with you. I hate when anybody ever says you're going to have this quarterback for the next 10 years. I'm not going to have any player for the next 10 years. So. Yeah, I'm lucky if it's the 10 days. Yeah, I hate that. But, but I just generally don't worry about job security, which is, like I said, what allows me to play this low-end quarterback kind of wheel thing I do where I just revolve around. Like like I said, Cousins is my guy this offseason. I had a lot of rivers and breeze, so now it's become – you know, the cousins and the Ryans, you can even get to it at a, if you want a younger guy at a, at a, at a pretty cheap, cheap ish price compared to some other guys. Uh, uh, Tom Brady, somebody I'm getting in leagues. Yeah. I Tom still Brady. believe he plays another two years. And then just think about, uh, like I said, I'm a little bit more higher tier than, than you seem to be Rocky, mm-hmm. but look at the quarterbacks we've been able to get mid to late first over the last few years, even early second, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert was exactly. slipping. Zach Wilson in a lot of drafts. That's still to be seen. Mac Jones. I, uh, Mac Jones is one of my most roster quarterbacks. And I hate Mac Jones, but I was getting him. And this is kind of a humble brag, but I had a lot of 111s and 112s. So, <laughs> you know, I was able to get Mac Jones. When you have 100 teams, you're going to have a lot <laughs> of 111s and 112s. But. John had 20 111s and 112s, but he had 100 teams. That's why he had so many teams. And then I had 80 101s. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's part of my strategy too. What with doing this low end quarterback thing is, I I do like to take them in rookie drafts. And usually, like you said, I pointed that out in the past um, when kind of touting this strategy is that there's always a, a, almost every year there's a guy you can get in the 108 to 112 to 112 range, um, and often that guy ends up being better than at least one of the other guys that was taken at 102 or 103 or whatever. So. Um, uh, Andrew or Dan, me and John have been monopolizing the conversation. Either you want to chime in? Maybe I'll kick you off, Andrew, here with just a, just the, I'll add a couple of thoughts. And I think I like talent first. I'm a little different than you're there, rocking with like quarterbacks. I love to have one elite quarterback if I can. So most of my rosters have a one of Dak, Josh Allen, Mahomes. Yeah, it depends on the league who you could obtain. So I try to have one. Then my number two quarterback normally. It's again a bet on talent. This year, I'm, I mentioned being high on Miami and what that organization's doing. Um, I, I coach for and was involved in football up to 20 years. So I love organizational builds. John, John knows I love talking about the NFL and the teams and the coaching changes. So I just love the direction of organizations like Miami, like Carolina, Andrews Bengals, I think are doing some things that are. You know what? I could see it. I could see a a vision there for their offense. So I like to get those kind of quarterbacks. But the job security piece, I think, more impacts my rankings a little bit. I don't know if I'm necessarily paying up, but I'm paying. Like, like I like certain quarterbacks that I do feel are more stable because I don't want to get stuck in. Like, I have a couple rosters that had you know Andy Dalton and Cam Newton, and it's like the worst feeling in the world right now. So I've spent some of my off season just strengthening some quarterback positions on rosters. But even running backs, you know, we talk about quarterbacks. I like some guys this year, like Damian Harris, who's sliding kind of late. Zach Moss, who's, you know, mixed bag there. But I think they have security and some talent. Um, again, I'm not paying up. I'm not overpaying. 
But if I could get some rosters with Damian Harris as a RB3, RB4, boy, he's, he's, he's in their plans. So I think that job security factors in, but talent first. It's funny. I don't think uh, Dan and me could ever go on a team because like half my rosters are living in that. Uh, well, not that's not as much now, but going into the offseason, we're living in that range where uh, where they had uh, Cam Newtons and Andy Daltons and Drew Brees retirings and things like that. That's that's kind of my dynasty life. A lot of the offseason is churning quarterbacks and figuring out where to get the next one from. Um, Okay, but uh, I guess we're getting kind of long here. So um, uh, do you guys I – mean, there's a few more topics on the sheet if you have up in front of you. Is there any one that sticks out to any of you? You want me to just pick one more before we move on to find me a trade? I like this one just because – so we have a, the Discord chat with, with the Dynasty Theory team, and this was something that came up today, coincidentally. Uh, picks more than a year out are always worth less regardless of perceived value of the class. Go out there with a 2022 first and try to trade it for a 2023 first. See what happens. That's getting declined 90% of the time, I would say. And there's a lot of people trying to make that move. And somebody recently offered me a 2022 first for my 2023. I declined it. You know, <laughs> I, I rejected it. And that's just the way. And it really is just amplified with this Twitter echo chamber and the Devi folks who do tremendous work. But we are just 2023 is going to be a huge year, huge year. 2022 down year compared to other years. So everybody's doing it. And I think there that's a way to take advantage of that. If you have everybody preaching, hey, 2022 is going to be a down year, go out there and get those first, those seconds for a really reduced price. But yeah, I thought this was an interesting one because I don't think it's always the case. And then we were talking like, what did it look like in 2016 for people that were playing dynasty? Because I wasn't playing dynasty. Then if you had a 2016 first, I don't know, 2017 is going to be the class. Uh, it would have been interesting to see how it was then, but maybe not so much just because information wasn't so readily available and at times regurgitated. Well, I'll, and, I'll jump in here just for real quick. I, you're not wrong at all. I, I, this is a topic that comes up every year and I feel like in, in, Back to the production value, I'd rather have a 22 first than a 23 first, right? Give me that extra year of production. I'd rather take the risk on a guy now and then wait with that in my bank account and not use it. I also am one of those people that almost always ends up trading my future first for a player that I know. I'm not necessarily a bad drafter. I just think drafting in general is risky. I'd rather take a, a known risk than an unknown risk, right? Rookies that come in the league, they always have the best profile. They're always every, this time of year, every but rookie is fun, a Andrew. It is, it is fun. It is fun. And I will, I'll say this too, though. If I, and this is a common three, a narrative we've all heard, right? I can trade that 23 first away and I'll get it back later, right? I've got a whole year to go get that back. At the same time, there are times I've seen this happen, like I just said before, where somebody trades away, if like I'll trade my 108 for your 23 first and second. It's like, well, give me the 108. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I get that. Like, I'll take that one away. I'll take the risk and see how it goes. At least I can see if they produce now. Some dynasty leagues aren't even around for four years. So why are we waiting two years to make a pick? Like, let me just get that on my roster now. Let me get the win now. You know, I had two so, leagues full this off season. Oh, I, had, I had one, <laughs> but part of it was my fault. Cause I was like, I'm not, it was a free league. And it's like, I'm just not into this anymore. And everyone else is kind of like, yeah, me too. But what I'm getting at, I guess, in, in all of this is I would rather have the, the earlier known asset than the unknown. And I think anytime somebody says that so-and-so draft class, isn't that great. I, come on guys it's july you know how many times this this time last year we all kind of knew the quarterbacks are good we didn't know what running backs are coming out we didn't know what was going to happen chuba hubbard remember chuba hubbard last year everybody was talking about he went nowhere 
So like even we don't know what we know a year from now. The college season this last year was crazy anyway, but the college season is just as wildly fluctuating as the NFL season. So I'm almost of the mindset of, you know, the picks I'll I'm not too worried about them. I'd rather trade them away for known assets and I'd rather trade further ones for more recent ones. That's just the and, way I play it. And think about how bad those 2020 receivers were supposed to be and it ended up being a historic class. Yep. And the, what you two guys, it's funny because it's exactly why I put this on here is every, everyone's talking about that 2023 class. Um, it's it's kind of like the 2020 class. I first got heavy into Dynasty Twitter and did just building up too, way too many leagues in 2018. And in 2018, people were already talking about the 2020 class. It's like that with this 2023 class. Man, the kill um, Harry is going to be so good. That's the other thing. Like, we don't even know what we know, right? Like, honestly, like, we don't even know landing spots. We don't know who's coming out. We don't know the landscape of these players. Like, Rondale Moore, oh my God, what a beast. And he goes to a place that's like, meh. You know, you got Terrace Marshall, oh my God, meh. I mean, like, it's just, it's hard. Right. It's just, it's hard to get too hyped up about these players without knowing landing spots. Now, that being said, I am a fan of the player over the opportunity because opportunity changes significantly faster than talent. But, all that aside, opportunity is still what tends to get them on the field, which, like we said, scores your points. So, like, if, if they're not scoring me points, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll wait for the dip. And guys like Kyle Pitts, who are going crazy high in drafts, I, give me give me at least a year to see if that's for real. I'm not risking it that that kind of price in most and situations. I did want to say, too, the um, – or actually, what I, I wanted to ask JB a question. With the 22-23 uh, thing, I get what you're saying about trading straight up. Um, I, I, I would just was going to chime into that. I kind of agree with Andrew. I'd rather take the closer pick. But uh, as you, as someone who said, oh, I want that 2023 um, in a trade, does that make a difference to you then? Would you devalue? Would you consider a trade? Like not trades for picks. Like if someone says, I'll give you, you know, X and a first uh, and, and they, they're going to give you the 22 first. That's worth less to you than if they say, I'm going to give you X and a 23 first. <sighs> That's a loaded question, Rocky. <laughs> That's why I asked it. <laughs> it also depends on the team. There, are, mm-hmm. you know, and like Andrew said, there's a lot of gray area. You can't just have a bl- blanket statement. So if I'm looking at the team and if it's their 2022 first and they have an aging team, but I think it's going to produce, that's probably a time that I might want their 2023. But it's there's a lot of factors. Um but I, I certainly, I absolutely see the point. I've done this. I did it last year. Uh, 201 came around. I'm not going to mention the name Keyshawn Vaughn, but let's say he was <laughs> off the board and T Higgins was there. That was somebody that I really liked and he was slipping 201, 202. I moved to 2022 first or a 2021 first to get that, that pick. So I, it, I'm going both ways and it ultimately goes with that first question we talked about. Where is the value? So, I mean, if you find something that's crazy, they want to add to a 2022 first to get my 2023. I would be interested to see if that could get that. Smash accept. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, also just, just a real quick to kind of caveat on this. The general thought that I have is a 2022 first is worth more than a 2022 for or 2023 first. I look at it like the NFL does where each round in the future is a round down. So right. a 2022 right. second is worth a 2023 first and so on and so forth. Now that's not obviously linear and every league is unique. So it's, it's kind of a general rule that's meant to be broken. But again, if you're ta- if you're telling me you can give me a 2022 first plus a 2022 third for my 2023 first every day of the week, I'm taking that trade every day of the week. Cause that's a bonus bonus. It's a win-win. 
And if you think it's a win for you, then it's a win, 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 right? Like, okay, now we're all winning. But yeah, I mean, the value of future picks, I think also is very, you can tell a lot about the player. And I think a lot of times we we don't talk about it enough that the other managers in your league are really a big part of all of these talks. And I again, trade addicts leagues, right? You guys in trade addicts, you trade things all the time. The value is, in my opinion, the value is probably a little depressed there because nobody holds anything. The value is always <laughs> moving around. You know, it's like a crazy stock floor. But my home league, nobody trades picks because they're all afraid of getting fleeced. And they all just like, that's my guy. I got to keep my pick. It's That's how I rebuild my team. And they don't trade at all. So like it really it varies drastically on the league. And that's why I, I uh, kind of cringe a little when people say, well, this 2023 first is on a bad team. So it's probably going to be early. That's two years out, bro. We don't I know. Clue I can't that's stand that when people I say mean, 2023 first, likely early or likely yeah. late. Like, can, honestly, no. I, I will say, though, th- if you've been in a league a few years and you know certain managers and they pop their head in the chat it, it's like Punxsutawney Phil. Did he see a shadow? <laughs> Did he not? That's what some league mates are like. Sure. And there are situations. It's like, I got to get that person's first. <laughs> you know, and I get that as soon as it rolls around on NFL and you're like, everyone's target at 2024 first is available. No, I get that. And I, I'm just going to, in theory, right. If you're talking dynasty theory here, you know, in theory, I just look at the future picks devalue themselves because of that time. And again, if you're looking at the logic too, as we always say, picks go up in value. Well, they have to start at zero value sometime. And that's when they're as far away as possible. Right. So they start at zero and they crawl up and that's fine. They're all allowed to crawl up. And over time, they all crawl up. But they're not equal, in my opinion, until they're the same year. Right. And that's just that's how I do it. I think you're all spot on there. You know, the draft picks are like the players I mentioned before. They should not unpack their suitcases. (laughs) I'm in it to contend now. Like you said, Andrew, every roster is looking to win now. You know, some may need to retool, but not necessarily rebuild. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trading those draft picks for something I know that I feel confident in. I think JB, you put something in a chat tonight about, you know, what wide receiver, you know, how low would you go to trade a number one? What's the threshold? So if I'm looking to get a receiver on my team and I'm looking to trade my number one uh, first round pick next year, what receiver is the cutoff? And that's kind of how I look at it. You know, there's a certain cutoff. Uh, these are the guys I'm targeting. If I could get someone on this list that I'm confident in, I think they got a bright future. That number one's gone. Yeah, good discussion. Uh, and I just want to say too, the uh, I, I don't necessarily what Andrew said. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, I'm sorry. This is like don't necessarily agree if I can speak uh, properly. Uh, again, it's getting late here, folks. Um, uh, with the idea that you have to downgrade a round, like if you're going to give me in a trade with again, kind of what I did with John, like. Player X plus a 22 second or 2023 first. Uh, I'm taking the 23 first. I'm taking the first over the 2022 second. So I, I do devalue them, but I, I I used to kind of think that way, but I can't quite go the round down scenario. Oh, it's not linear and it's not always yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a rule of thumb that it, it's not accurate. It's just more of a guideline. You know? Right. And I, yeah, think- and I think the point more is that you just, yeah. they should be devalued from 2022 to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. If you would have asked me this question three years ago, two years ago, a year ago, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it's just this is such a unique situation. And again, maybe it's because I'm on Twitter too much. Maybe it's because I'm just, you know, opening my mouth and letting the regurgitated takes pour down my throat <laughs> at times. And we fall into that trap and that echo. Like a baby bird? Yeah, right. Just, just <laughs> doing it up. And oh, anyway, Twitter. I, I want to talk about our trade suggestions here. Yeah. 
Okay. And so uh, now we are good. Well, that finishes up the dynasty theory discussion. We are going to move on to our find me a trade, um, which this week was, was submitted by one Andrew Hall at Andrew Hall FF. What a we guy. decided with four of us here, um, Andrew's first show, we'd use one of his rosters and the three of us would find a trade for him. He can comment on them. We can talk about him a little. So uh, this is a 12-team PPR super flex league, no tight end premium. It's a safe league. Uh, it's 28-man rosters, start 10. And the 10 are QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, super flex, and two flex. And uh, his team name is Chasing the Dream. I'm going to let uh, uh, Andrew go into his roster and a little, uh, you know, kind of synopsis of where he thinks his team's at. And then we'll go into our trades. Yeah, so just a, kind of a, a quick one here. I, it, this was an orphan team, one of the first orphans I took over. Uh, I started in Dynasty Twitter in 2018, and I was looking for some more teams, and I was like, you know what, I'd like a challenge. Let me take over an orphan, right? Let me take over one of these teams that somebody abandoned because this this kid was ugly. And so I was like, let me let me give this a try. So I took it over in 2019, and I won that first year. I made a ton of trades. I actually wrote about it for PFN uh, the next year after I was done with it all. And I was pretty middle of the pack last year. I really didn't do that well. I think I was like six and seven, you know, just one of those teams that just not quite good enough. And so now I'm just not really sure what to do with it, right? My quarterbacks need help the most. I think that's where I'm the weakest. And I'll kind of hit some of the highlights. You can see it on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. But um, I did get Mac Jones as, as like the 111. I didn't earn the 111. I had traded for it. But I got Mac Jones, uh, Drew Locke, Ben Roethlisberger, Teddy Bridgewater to lock up that Denver quarterback position. And then Andy Dalton and Taylor Heineke. So I've got really nobody there that that Dan would call a stud quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, those are those are all kind of meh guys. Andrew, um, when when I'm worried about your quarterback position, it's a problem. I, are you worried, Rocky? Are you worried? A little bit there. Yeah. Yes, you are exactly. So am I. Uh, my running backs aren't much better. Uh, I've got Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake. And I drafted Kenneth Gainwell and some other guys. My receivers might be my strongest group, which again, doesn't say much on this team, but it's Keenan Allen, T Higgins, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jalen Rager, Corey Davis, Marquise Brown, and some other guys, uh, some rookies on there. And then tight end, I've got Irv Smith, Tyler Higby, Dawson Knox, and David Njoku. So as you can tell, there's no one on this team that I see it anyway, that I'm like, well, there's my, that's my foundational piece. Like there's no one here that just screams, okay, let's build around that, which makes it tough for me. I, on a lot of the other teams that I'm rebuilding, I, I have you know, a Lamar Jackson or a Calvin Ridley or somebody that I can just latch on to and be like, all right, let me trade that away to get a bunch of other assets. I just don't have anyone left for that. So that's kind of the highlight of what, what this, I don't know what this uh, team looks like for now as kind of a base. So I did see the trades. I'm really curious to see you. Rocky, do you want to go first with yours or do you want to go last? I, I was actually, what I was going to do is let me and JB kind of did something similar. Yeah. So I was going to let Dan go first and then we would okay. get into the other two. Okay. So go ahead, Dan. Tell me what you got. How do, how do I fix my team? Find All right, buddy. I mean, Andrew, I have like one or two of those orphans as well, and it's not something I normally like doing, but it's, you know, you're trying to check things off your like fantasy football bucket list. Like, all right, I need to take over an orphan. So I have some of those rosters where it's like you're really strong and, you know, one position for you here, I, th I think it's definitely wide receiver. You know, you got strengths with Keenan and Juju and T and Hollywood. Tight end you'll get by with. I mean, I think it's not a premium anyway. Right. Running back, you got a couple pieces, but it's thin. And then quarterbacks, it's 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 met, it's met, like you said there. <laughs> but you know, we, hey, we'll go with the glass half full. Mac Jones is going to be something. John Bauer has a million shares of them. So you know, we'll, we'll build around Matt Mac for quarterback. 
Um, I would definitely, I love trading. I'd be making a ton of trades. Definitely try to fix that quarterback position, strengthen the running back position. But you can only do one thing at a time. And if you're not going to be completely happy with the orphan, Andrew, I thought you've got to at least, you know, have your heart content. And being a Bengals fan, as I knew you were, you know, doing a little studying before the show, I'm thinking, how could you be a Bengals fan and not have Jamar Chase on your lineup? Probably Joe Burrow, too. But I figured we'll go after Chase tonight, and then I'd figure out Burrow after. <laughs> and my my recommendation was, as much as I love Keenan Allen, I think he's going to have a blow-up year this year. Um, you know, I love what the Chargers are doing. But I'm kind of looking at this orphan as a little bit of a rebuild. And to have that guy you're excited about as a Bengals fan, let's move Keenan. Let's send next year's first, which will make this enticing. Maybe you move Teddy Bridgewater because I'm going to gamble on Drew Locke. I know JB's going to gamble on Drew Locke as well. I believe that you're on the Locke side, right? Or is Mitch on the, the Locke side? One of you is where the, they have no. a big debate back and forth between whether it's going to be Locke or Bridgewater. I'm, I'm Locke. I'm Locke. So, so I'm going to I'm gonna go Locke there too. Peyton Manning was working out with him in the offseason and, and say, hey, he, he's, the, he's the one I'm going to keep. So you pack Bridgewater, you pack Keenan in the first, throw him the fourth for kicks, and you are going to get back Cam Newton just to solidify the New England Patriots quarterback position. So until Mac is ready, Cam could score some good points, and you and you give him a, a wow enough offer to get Jamar Chase. If he doesn't bite on it in the first nibble, or he needs a little something to go home and tell mom about, you know, maybe a Kenyon Drake or a Drew Locke if you have to pack it. But you get your guy and you're a happy Bengals fan. So that was my suggestion. I, I thought I think that's a terrific trade. I would love to do that trade. I'm, I'm not sure if that would get approved by that guy. You know, obviously that's the question, but I love the logic you're going by there. And I think like you just hit the nail on the head with where where am I missing? I don't have a, a, a guy that's like my guy. Chase would definitely be my guy. So I love that logic. We talked about Chase, uh, JB, Mitch and I, and I says, you know, if I'm evaluating receivers, I have them higher than my boy Lamb and Jerry Judy. And I loved both of them last year. Uh, that ceiling is just so high. So, and I'm not a Bengals fan. You are, Andrew. So I, I think you got to try yeah. to make that yep. happen. Yep, I like it. I like it. That's not bad at all. That's not bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna save my judgment for the end. I want to make sure that all three get their chance to plead their case, <laughs> and then I'll kind of go in. So I guess John, if you want to go next, let's see what you got. Find me a trade. So I have a few teams like this, and like you said, a middle of the pack team. I don't know if the quarterback situation was in a little bit better shape and you know Locke or ben even if it's like a zach wilson type player maybe we can start you know gear it up a little bit but i say burn this thing to the ground andrew <laughs> i and i say that with a monsoon of respect really uh -huh. you know so ideally as i mentioned before you have a high asset a high value asset look to break that up into several pieces if possible. And like you said, you don't really have that. So a trade I put together and the team is toward day two, I think. Toward the TO, yeah. Toward the TO. Um, packaging up Miles Sanders and maybe even to start, I don't think Chris Carson would even get accepted. So I tried to come up with something that I thought might get accepted. So Miles Sanders Keenan Allen and Ben for Darnold Mooney and the next two year first round picks. So 2022 and 2023, of course it would depend on tour to TO and how they feel about their team. If they want to move those first round picks, but I thought they were in a decent enough situation at wide receiver and tight end 
if they view Ben as a win now piece and they're skeptical and hesitant about Darnold, Keenan Allen, win now piece. And then Miles Sanders, I know a lot of people, there are varying opinions within the dynasty community what his value is, but get you, you know, four pieces for your three. You move on from Ben Roethlisberger, who might have just this one year left. Sam Darnold, he very well could have one year as well, but at least he gives you that opportunity to have something beyond 2021. So that's where yeah. I went. No, I don't, I don't mind that at all. And I'll, I'll just jump in with this and say that that team, that would be, I think that would be a good trade for that team. I think if I had that team, I would probably do that trade. And the reason I say that is Miles Sanders would be the running back three. You know what I mean? And their, their current third running back is JD McKissick. Right. That's yep. who I consider, right? So they're, they're pretty weak at, at backup running back. Uh, the other thing is their third receiver is Mike Evans. Their fourth one's Tyler Lockett. They got Curtis Samuel. So they don't need receivers, but that would be Keenan would be a big boost for that team. So I'm looking at that and, and thinking what you said, like, yep, that would be some good additions there. And Ben, Ben and Darnold, I think in some places this year, you can almost see them as about equal. There's a lot of risk on both sides. Darnold's younger, but who knows if they Ben could play longer, right? Ben could be the next Brady. We don't know. So I think that that's a that's not a bad idea to kind of get a little younger, take a little risk, try to find an ascending asset. So I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind that. That's not bad. Andrew Rocky, might even you, be able to get a little bit more in that, John. He, he might be able to get some that. I, I, was, I think my value is pretty you know. close on that one, though. Like, well, I I went I think a little more conservative, and because again, I tried to come up <clears> with something that I thought had a good chance of being get accepted yep. with the way their roster was made up. So, yep. No, and I'll go into the values in a minute. Cause that's a good point, but uh, can you Rocky, guys trade fab in this league? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. let's get so, a couple bucks for, it in for Dan. <laughs> no, but Rocky, what's your trade? I know yours was kind of similar, at least had some of the same parts. Yeah, it was similar. I wasn't even kind of bigger than, uh, than maybe John did. Uh, mine, yeah, mine's got lots of players in it. Um, but I, I, the main, uh, kind of core of what I was looking at is basically what John was saying. Your, your team here is basically the definition of middling for me, which mm -hmm. is where you never want to be. Um, and I don't really see a path in the very near future to make it, to improve it to a point, uh, that you're contending this year. So let's tear it down somewhat or at least get younger. Um, so I'm more kind of retooling and trying to get you younger um, than, than John was maybe, who, who got you two first in his trade. Um, I did have a first in mind. But what I did was Keenan, Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, and Drew Locke to that same team for Tua, Terry McLaren, and a 22 first. Now, I'm not sure if you can get all three pieces with it. I would even be willing to add some other pieces in if he wants a Higby, if he wants a Corey Davis, if he wants a Teddy Bridgewater. Some of these ancillary pieces you have that also are probably not going to help you very much. Uh, I'd even throw them in. If you want to give them six for three, including the pick, I'm fine with that. Um, but basically, uh, I just... The, you know, I don't care. You 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 have no running backs after this trade because um, basically you just have those two guys. Um, I'm fine with that. The higher your pick is, the better. You definitely hold on to your pick. You get the extra first. Um, Keenan still holds pretty decent value for a 29-year-old. He was the 12th in DLF ADP in June. I don't know if he's maybe valued really that much across most leagues, but, but he's not super far off from Terry McLaren despite the age difference. And, and Terry's not – 
as young as some people may think. He's 25 now already. He was an old rookie, but um, he is still. You're still picking up quite a few years. I love Terry. I think his value is going to shoot up this year. Uh, I think with Fitzmagic there, uh, he's going to produce well, and that's going to you know he's because he is still still only 25, 26. Not the 28 receivers are dead zone yet. Um, so uh, so he's still going to shoot up in value if he has a good year production wise. Um, and I think the same of Tua. I'm, I'm with Dan. I, I, I like Tua. I like that offense improvement. <laughs> and uh, I think he's going to shoot up in value. So you either get two hopefully good producers going forward um, or maybe trade pieces next year if, if you want to move on from them and flip them for try and get more, get make a profit off of them. And for Tour de Tio, um, he's clearly trying to compete now with some of the assets on his team. And you actually made one of the points I was going to make um, which is that he only has the two running backs. So, I mean, you have to start two. So he has two starters, but he has nothing behind that. Um, I don't know that he necessarily needs two more, but it wouldn't hurt. Um, like you said, and again, you said the same thing I was going to say. Keenan, he doesn't necessarily need a receiver, but now you're replacing Terry in this scenario anyway, mm-hmm. um, which is – and maybe not losing much in production, if anything. I mean, I can certainly see – a. a Keenan outscoring Terry this year. Yeah. And then you get the first back. And as a competing team, he might be willing to part with that first, figuring it's going to be late. But even if it is late, it's still two for you. So that's basically where I was looking with it. The only thing I'm a little uncertain of is the value. I mean, uh, these are older guys. This may work better for you to do it in September, maybe like the end of September um, rather than now. Say. Yeah. <laughs> so here, I, but, let me let me jump in here because you're you're hitting all the nails on the head here. This this to me was my favorite trade of the three. No offense, JB. <laughs> no offense, Dan. This was the biggest trade I think by far. I mean, getting back to a is a pretty pretty good linchpin piece and a first and McLaurin. Like those are all three pretty solid pieces. So I like that. I will say I put them all into the DLF trade analyzer. Cause I just had one of the places I use it's again, trade values, trade calculators. Everybody has their own. I'm not saying this is Bible or truth or anything like that. I just like to use it as kind of like, let's see where the market is. Right? So the only one that came out in my favor was the one that Rocky put through right now. That doesn't mean that the others aren't fair. And I think that's that funny too, because I was actually worried you yeah, the, how much in your favor because so, I was yeah, worried so it was way I, too much. The Keenan side sending Keenan Sanders Carson Lock that is nine hundred and fourteen points. Receiving Tua McLaurin in the first is nine ninety six. Oh, it's so not it's that about, far off. It's not that far. It's about yeah. you know eight percent or something like that. That's variable. That's worth it. Uh, JB's trade was about a hundred points in favor of the side I was sending. So kind of to your point, JB, that's a side that that other side that that trade might go through or the other guy's like, you know what? I'm adding value here. Right. And I'm adding first round picks. We just got done talking about 22 and 23 first like that further out. They're worth a little less. So that might be something he's willing to go all in this year. I think that that trade makes sense. I'm not saying it's a bad trade. I liked Rockies because I get the most back, but I think John's might be the most like, realistic, yeah. right? Uh, where he's, which is an important component. of It this. very much is. Yeah. Just for just to, uh, you know, justify this trade further. I, I think a lot of that too, it, you know, DLF, any trade calculator or analyzer most likely is going to have Darnold creeping down there in the low twenties. Yeah. Now let's say he goes out there and the Panthers finish middle of the pack and he continues to, to grow in that offense. And he's there beyond 2021 as their starting quarterback. Then maybe we see that value rise. Oh, the picks are a little closer. They're a little mm-hmm. higher. So when this is kind of like banking on those picks rising in value really is yep. what it is. And so this is and, and to kind of hit on that same thing Rocky was saying too. 
the trade he mentioned was one that I think you, you might want to wait till the production value kind of kicks in. Whereas I think John's trade was something I could pull off today, right? Where they're looking to gear up for the season, the, the first round picks next year and the year after they're not doing anything with those. Like that's an easy one there. And not to leave Dan out, Dan, your pick was, your trade was great. And I love getting Jamar chase. You're exactly right there, but yours was a little bit more. It was close. It was closer than any of the others, but that one, the sending Teddy Bridgewater, Keenan Allen, the first and the fourth was 594 and Newton and chase was 523. So again, neither, none of those trades are bad trades. And I think this is where ultimately to kind of use this as a pivot point, I think trade calculators have a lot of value just to show you if you're close. They're not going to be like, well, sorry, the trade calculator says you were two points off, so I can't do it. <laughs> like, well, no, 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 that's not how that works, right? Some John made a perfect have. point. I, of course. There are <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with Andrew, though. That, that's what I use, trade. I subscribe to DTC, and yeah. uh, I subscribe to DLF as a whole, so I get the analyzer. And that's basically what I use them for is – and I, I just want to make sure that what I think is close is close enough to, you know, to yeah. send over. Cause I, I don't like to lowball people. Um, yeah. and, and I like to try, I generally kind of go with close to my best offer right off the bat. Same and so here. I like to make sure that it's not, you know, something that they're going to be like, what the hell are you sending me? Well, here? We're all busy. Like I don't mind back and forth on trade negotiations, but if I send you what I consider is to be a fair offer and you come back and want a little piece, sure. Go for it. I don't really care if you come back and say, no, I want Justin Jefferson instead or say, you know I mean? I'm like, well, hang on yeah. now that we're talking. That's a whole, we're way off. Let's move on. It's, it's kind of a nice, easy break point. Um, I rarely go back and forth more than three or four times on a trade, to be honest with you. Cause it just, at that point you're, you're not close. It's not, going to happen. Um, but I will say though, that the, the chase trade that Dan came up with, I like the idea of locking down the, the new England quarterbacks and things like that. I like kind of consolidating that there were some trades that I made very risky trades and, and as an orphan, and maybe this is just me, but I'm not giving this team back, right? This is my team until the league folds, which was safe leagues might be 20 years. So in my head, I'm like, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not going to be one of those guys that buys a team, takes it, wins it and dumps it because it's bad. That's not how I do this. So my logic on this is I'm in this for the long haul. If I'm in the middle for three years, then I've done a bad job. So be it. Right. But my thing too, is like I traded, I made some really risky moves in the off season. Cause I'm like, what's well, no risk it, no biscuit. Right. So I traded away Stafford right before he got traded. Cause I'm like, who knows where he's going. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Like, I don't, he could go somewhere bad or he could retire. Who knows. Right. So I, I also traded away. Um, actually I had it up here. I had another trade that I was like, Oh, I traded away Julio Jones before he got traded. Right. Because I knew that the writing was on the wall there. I traded away Miles Gaskin back in May, right after the draft, because I'm like, I don't know if they don't sign Gurley or go get somebody else. Right. Like Gaskin may not be the guy. So, like, I made all these risky moves and now we're seeing the results. Right. Where I made risks that didn't pay off. Fine. You know what I mean? That's how it goes. So I've made this bet. I've got to lay in it. So that's kind of the ultimate thing here is and maybe the message in the bigger sense is that just because you've got a bad team doesn't make you a bad manager. I've actually had some conversations with people on Twitter like, oh, that team's so bad. That guy must be bad at this. And I'm like, no, I, he might have just played a little too risky. And when and like John, when you get in 100 leagues, sometimes don't you make bad trades sometimes because you're just like, oh, I had a wrong thing in my head or I was thinking that this team was this team. Or, like, I've done that before. I'm on vacation. And I'm like, oh, I accepted the wrong trade, but I accepted it. You know what I mean? Like, I hit the button. You know what I mean? I, I don't even do know right. what a good trade looks like anymore. Clearly. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I think that ultimately, and to kind of hit back to the trade calculator, the reason I use that is because there are so many variables and I a lot, like JB just said too, like earlier, I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm in that bubble a lot. I hear a lot of things that I'm not sure if are true. Right. And so I use that as kind of my level set. It's not the truth. It's more of like, guide me where I'm going. And if a trade is off 10% on either side and I like it, I don't care. I'm taking the trade. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's rare that I look at that. And I, but there are definitely times where I get an offer that favors me and I'm looking at it and I'm like, no way am I giving up those guys for those guys. You know what I mean? Cause these are all ascending. These are all descending trade calculators rarely factor that in. And you hit on it perfectly. JB Darnold is someone who I think is going to go up. You know, Mooney is someone who I think is going to go up. Those picks are both going up. Right. So like, yeah, it looks bad on that side. And that's why I think that trade could get done the easiest of the three. So that actually might be one I send or some variation of that. And I will say too, just kind of as a, maybe a last point on this, this roster, I need to get rid of running backs. If I'm not contending, why do I have running backs? Right. And that's a dynasty theory that I think we all kind of ascribe to in a sense. If you're not contending, you should not, I I'm fine starting Kenyon Drake and JD McKissick as my running backs. If I'm not contending, right. More, more power to me to lose. And at the same time, running backs decrease so quickly. Give me the picks. I'd rather have a pick next year than Miles Sanders at this point. You know what I mean? Like if I'm not winning, what am I doing with Miles Sanders? Let's get him on a contending roster. Get me some receivers or a quarterback that can hold value. So yeah, I, I really appreciate it. These are great trades. And I actually, I, I had not thought of really any of these kind of combinations. So this was perfect. <laughs> I, I, Just love your, needed. I love your loyalty, Andrew. And I think all of us are that way from, from knowing you. <laughs> with when you take an orphan you commit to it you know again as long as everything's healthy the league's healthy and, and it sounds like that and, and when i saw john and rocky's trades come through i, I love them you know and, and i was hoping i could bust john i couldn't even bust john he put a really <laughs> legit trade out there and he always does and then rocky i was glad he he picked Tua because that is the quarterback yeah. that i went out after in so many leagues so that's we the don't first know. One I'm sending. Let's just, I'm going to put that one through right when we're done. I'm just going to send it, see what happens. We can go from there. And then <laughs> and that's what I was too, because I purposely try not to look at the other trades um, when I put mine in. If, if you guys have gotten them on before, a lot of times I'm the first one, but you guys were actually really, I mentioned this in the chat, you guys are really good get, getting them on there early for the guests. So I, I appreciated that. But I when they're on there, I try not to look at them. Then I did mine. I saw John's. I'm like, crap, we have like half the same guys in here. So. <laughs> hey, it works. What we don't know is your league mates, Andrew. So I'll, I, I do hope that you, you hit on that first trade. And if you don't, I hope you go to second, third, whatever order you prefer. And please post something on Twitter if you, wherever you land. I, I'd oh, be for sure. Here. If and when I make a trade on this, and I'll let you guys know. And actually, there have been some uh, like put players on the block and things like that this last week with SFB kicking off. So I haven't, I specifically haven't made a trade in this league. I wanted to see what you guys said first and kind of get some advice before diving in. But no, and it, it's when you're in, I'm in 20 leagues or 15 leagues or whatever it is, and it's hard to kind of babysit all of them sometimes, right? Some of them kind of get away from you. And then there are times where I open this one up and I'm just like, no, nah, I don't want to look at that team anymore. And I just move on to the next one. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's the redheaded stepchild. It's an orphan for a reason. So yeah, but at least, Hey, at least I won it the first year. So I'm even money at this point. So it's, it's all good. Yep. That's the way I look at it too. You get that, you get that win that first year and it's like, yeah, you're playing with house money for at least the next couple. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, definitely great trades. A lot of great discussion. I really enjoyed this episode talking different, uh, you know, aspects of dynasty strategy, dynasty theory. Um, so I appreciate you guys coming on to do that with us. Uh, I want to let you guys sign off, give your Twitter handles um, and uh, plug anything you want to plug. So John, go, go for it. Guys, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, we could we cut out half the show notes tonight. That, that's how like <laughs> and we still went almost an hour and a half. <laughs> I know Dan is so tired of doing guest spots with me because <laughs> when he does a guest spot, he's like, "All right, an hour, boom." I, I just I can't. St- I just enjoy talking with him too much. I can't, you know, get away. But yeah, uh, Rocky, Andrew, an absolute blast. Andrew, uh, it was great finally getting to speak to you in yeah. person. You know, I use the air quotes there. But find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club, one of the hosts of Dynasty Theory every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And then every other Wednesday, 
Fantasy Football Confidential. Since he's not here, I'll plug him. Mitch Sorensen at DinoMC. He's one of our hosts for Dynasty Theory. And then Linda G at Lindellians and Troy King at T King Mode on Twitter for Fantasy Football Confidential. But guys, yeah, an absolute blast. Anytime you want us back, let us know. Dan probably doesn't want to be seen with me, though. <laughs> See, it, the, the plan worked out. My master plan, as always, I make a little comment, say, hey, let's try to keep it to an hour. Because Mitch and I both know with John, you know, it's, it never works. You know, we say a half hour show it becomes an hour. So we had an awesome 90 minutes tonight. But if I didn't say something, it would have been, you know, two an and awesome, a half hours yeah. <laughs> because of John, Rocky, all because of John. But it would have been an awesome two and a half hours. I mean, they, course, they, were, they were great topics, and I could have talked to these two guys, you three guys, yeah. all night long. Agreed. Agreed. Always so yeah, a blast. Dan, why don't you give your Twitter handle anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, FF Coach Dan. Uh, always Tuesday nights with my brothers, John and Mitch, on Dynasty Theory at 9 o'clock. Loving it. I'm popping out some occasional solo pods, a coach's corner. Uh, not so much of a strict s- schedule, but I'm going to try to get back to posting at least one of those per week. And then as we get a little closer to the season, I know last year – um, from the father and son pod, Justin and I did a DFS pod. So uh, I'm going to do something DFS again as we get closer and cheat on my dynasty brothers over there. Uh, so appreciate you guys have me. Andrew, great to meet you. And Rocky, a pleasure as always. Yep, definitely. And so let me just uh, finish up with some of our stuff here. Um, I did want to thank Andrew once again for, for joining me uh, in this new venture as co-host on, on Dynasty Junkies. Uh, I've always been a, a fan of Andrew's work, uh, both writing and hearing him on podcasts. So uh, I think it's going to be great going forward. Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, next week, uh, we will be live again, but it will be a, a kind of odd special time next week. It's going to be Friday at 2 in the afternoon. Uh, we have a really cool guest I, I'm going to reveal later this week, uh, uh, but I think people are going to like it. It's kind of an interesting one, a little uh, little different for us, but uh, that's why we had to make it Friday afternoon. Um, but let me just finish up with the rest of it. I am Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. Andrew, again, is Andrew Hall FF. You can follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies. Also, make sure you are following Dap Network at Dap underscore Network, as well as subscribing to the YouTube. That's how you can watch us live. You can watch Fancy Timeline live. Um, and um, please make sure you are, if you like the pod, please make sure you give us a, a subscribe on uh, iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts, as well as a rating and review. We really appreciate that. Uh, helps us out. And uh, I think that will do it for this week. So, like I said, we'll be back next Friday afternoon live and then the podcast out shortly after. So, Andrew, take us out. Junkies out. <laughs>